0: Guys, well here we are for our last episode of Pulp Cthulhu. We're here to do our review. How's it going tonight?
1: Uh, It's going good. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with Pulp. Um, It's been a wild ride, and uh, I'm interested to
2: to talk about it. (laughs) It's a pretty big understatement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like, Aside from maybe uh, Monster of the Week, the, the wackiest session yet.
1: I think maybe even more than Monster of the Week. This might top it.
3: Definitely in some ways. We didn't kill a group of fish people.
0: True. Horribly by locking them into a steel, concrete bunker.
3: I chose to say kill for, like, a reason. I like to look at it as a positive angle as I can.
2: I wouldn't want to live as a fish person, so I, I like to think that we <laughs> could yeah. just mercy that's a good point i, I will say though I, I think that this is like possibly the first time where like i've been the least murder hobo out of the whole group <laughs> absolutely
1: i i had to
0: go insane to top jody so <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's start with a general overview of the system. Now, the first thing that we need to get out in the open is this is not a full system. This is a supplement for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. Uh, it is a $55 Canadian, just so that we can Thank get you. the uh, <laughs> CAD out of there. Um, Canadian hardcover that also comes with a free PDF if it's ordered from Chaosium, which is a common complaint that we've had on the show. Uh, you can also buy the PDF as a standalone for $28 Canadian. It is a hearty supplement at 272 pages. Uh, in my opinion, incredibly beautiful art in it, as well as just like good information of the era. Uh, and it was originally published in August of 2016. So, what are you guys' first thoughts about Pulp Cthulhu? Um, Go
1: ahead.
3: Oh, I was just going to say that a big part of that number of pages is just, like, sweet reference to, like you said, the time describing, you know, a lot of interesting references for you to take and, like, build out a better Pulp character if you don't really know what you're doing. So, it does sound like a big expansion at that number of pages, whatever you said, 200 and whatever but I think at least like 90 of them are like just great reference material that you don't have to read to know how to play the system but you get like a lot of great material at least for anyone who's running the system I think that's just a lot of valuable material Mm
1: mm-hmm yeah, I've, I, I think the same thing about the, uh, the base Cthulhu system, that that's a really cool thing to add in for anybody who might not be super familiar with the time period that this is based in, or, like, the genre in the case of Pulp, um, so that that's not a barrier to entry, right? Like, whereas something like You know, Zweihander, for example, if you're not super familiar with fantasy, um, you know, getting told like, hey, we're going to play this game uh, and you're just going to have to know what a griffin is um, might be a little bit of a barrier for some people. So it's cool that they give you some of those
0: materials on the side. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I I think I've said before on the show that um, one of my holdbacks from immersing myself into fantasy much younger or high fantasy was that everybody had seemed to have this common language of fantasy tropes that i didn't understand and that was a barrier for me so i, I absolutely see what you're saying there yeah
1: um in re- in regards to like pulp specifically i think it's really cool how it's still the same game as regular call of cthulhu but it feels so much different and like there isn't like huge, grand, waving changes that, like, totally change the way that the game functions, but when you're playing it, you feel those changes. Like, it's one of those, like, a lot of small things equaling up to one big thing. Um, that was really cool. Cthulhu, um, does a lot of really cool things, and I know that Ruin is a huge fan of the Cthulhu system. Um, more so than I am. Like, I like it, but it's not, like, my number one. Um, but Pulp was a lot of fun to run. I think it was. I think I had more fun doing pulp than I did doing base Cthulhu um, way back in our first batch.
0: Uh, Jody, I know you're a a fan of history and and different uh, lore about media in general. What did you think about the the supplement and all the extra information it packed in?
2: Uh, to be honest, I didn't really look too much into the <laughs> the supplement for like the the like pulp lore, I guess if you want to call it that. I mostly like went through the rules. I like the character creation quite a lot. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to (laughs) just skip that part or what. No, that's good. It's, um, you know, it,
0: it is a a testament to the actual character creation itself is that like, you can kind of get lost in that and, and really just admire what they've done to make the system kind of unique. Um, Uh, Overall, guys, what do we feel about the price of uh, $55 Canadian for a supplement?
1: At first, it seems like a lot. But when you consider that something like Dungeons and Dragons puts out like a Tasha's Cauldron and it's about 60 Canadian, that kind of feels more fair and more reasonable for an entirely new way to play the game right like it's not just adding like mm-hmm. here's a couple new spells and some new monsters and maybe a short adventure like this is a an entire like facelift of it um so for that i think 55 is is very mm-hmm. reasonable and again like you said in the intro like huge props to including a pdf it's 2021 figure your crap out guys everything should come <laughs> with a pdf now uh, well, yeah. it's arguably free yeah indeed <laughs>
2: I'll be honest, I I like I feel like I didn't feel too much of a difference aside from like just having more health and like healing more and doing more damage and like being able to do wacky things inside a Cthulhu setting. You know what I'm saying? Like I I personally would pay 55 bucks for this. I feel like I could homebrew everything from this into just normal Cthulhu Yeah, but I
1: think for a lot of people that aren't necessarily comfortable homebrewing or, like, are worried about the idea that, like, oh, if I try to homebrew this, I'm going to, like, totally break it and just want to pick up something that, like, does it for you, I think 55 is reasonable. Again, especially when you compare it to, you know, comparable supplements from things like D&D. I can't think of any others now that I started inflecting like it was a list. Pathfinder.
4: Pathfinder. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Zweihander has them as well. Okay. Um, Yeah, yeah, I so obviously, yeah, I think I'm the the one that has the most experience with Cthulhu here. And um, I I did feel like it was a major difference. And I think I said that while we were playing. Like, I felt like it did a lot of things to keep your character alive. And we'll get into some of those features. Um, You know, I felt myself saying like, would I actually play this more than regular Cthulhu because it feels so uh different in in genre like to me it's almost like the difference between uh evil dead one and evil dead two right like it's that whole like they're both horror but like what type of horror are they and what type of adventure are you going for and so i think and and i had this experience when i bought cthulhu um pulp was already out and i said to myself oh would i rather play pulp and i said no at first i think if i were to go back and make that choice I'd still say no. And that's because I think Cthulhu as itself is such a great game that I love what I got out of it. I think, though, that if there's anybody out there who says Cthulhu's too hard, it's too deadly, uh, it's too normal, this is what you need in order to make it probably what you're looking for. Something more of a halfway between what Cthulhu gives and what D&D could be. Um, and we'll get into some some of the reasons why I think so once we start talking unique features and skill systems and stuff like that. But um, for me, it's worth it if you're buying... Um, as an add on for something you've already played a lot. But if you were to go to buy it right off the hop, I don't know if I'd make the investment. But with that, let's get into unique features. So, some of the things that I've noted here are the additions of psychic and weird science powers, which uh, Jaden and Cade got a hand a lot. Um, it reuses the sanity system from 7E, but with different outcomes for insanity. There are mooks and villains, and those are specific types of NPCs. Um, there are park, pu- sorry, pulp archetypes and talents added to occupations. It has a variable pulpometer and new luck rules for spending and regaining uh, luck. So, what did you guys think about the uh, the unique features? What are some ones that maybe you saw or wanted to highlight?
1: Uh, I mean, the different Sandy stuff was obviously what I had the most experience with, because <laughs> poor Carl. Um, the weird sign stuff was cool, because at any given point, looking at like the specific weird signs we were doing, I would have been like, this is insane and going to break this game. And it somehow never did, which I think is a testament to like good game design, because it feels wild and crazy but it never made it easy for us, right? Like it it never took away those risks and and rewards that come along with it. So I thought that was really cool. Um, the archetypes are sweet. As as a role play guy, I really like those kinds of things because it kind of it, it flushes out your
2: character a little bit more. So yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, the character
2: can, creation can... was nice. Sorry.
3: No, go in. This is the stuff you said you wanted to talk yeah. about. I want to hear what you think about it.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I liked how like it. Uh, I don't know. Let us be kind of like this, the superheroes of a comic book story, almost, because we could pick so many skills that we could have at like eighty to ninety, and just like succeed at the stuff that we're like supposed to be good at because that's our character, you know. Like, it was pretty neat, and the archetypes were cool. The talents were pretty cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why don't we we define here what the archetypes and talents are? Um, so. Cade, you mentioned for role play, so why don't you walk us through what the archetypes are?
1: So basically, the archetypes are—I'm um, trying to think of like an equivalent for them in like some other system.
0: Um, it's, It'd be similar it's, to like a oh, it, to it to another system.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say like it's it's hmm. almost like a subclass but I guess like a sub race would be, would be closer. Um, so it's, a, it's an archetype that you get to kind of base your character around and gives you kind of an idea of like, Hey, here's the skills that this character might be good at. Here's, um, some like things you might want to focus on. Here's classes that fit that kind of character a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, I think subclass was a good way to put it. You know, it's almost like your, your, um, Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, your college for your bards and yeah. things like that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you pick it up
0: front, rather than like a
1: subclass where you don't pick until you know a couple of levels in. Um, you pick this up front, so it helps you kind of guide your character right from go into like what direction you want to be heading in.
0: Mm -hmm. And especially in terms of like um, how they would emotionally respond to things and um, what kind of their motivations are. Um, Like if I'm looking at the list of archetypes here, uh, we see things such as. For example,
1: like Carl was uh, the sidekick. Um, There's Mm -hmm. um, what was yours, Jaden? It was something like the mad scientist or something like that.
3: Um, mine was the same as uh, Cold Jody's. Blooded. Yeah, we both did
4: cold oh, blooded. The cold
1: blooded.
3: Okay. Yeah, because I thought my guy was just a mad scientist, so he, he would was. be cold <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was cutting people up.
4: Yeah. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and
2: the mine book comes. I, I was... chose that because, like, uh, he was a soldier, so I figured that would make sense to be cold blooded. But it was also sort of a meta pick because I was just like, yeah, less stress. Fair. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and so the book actually comes with 22 archetypes. Um, and they're adventurer, beef keg, um, bon vivant, cold-blooded, dreamer, egghead, explorer, femme fatale, grease monkey, hard-boiled, harlequin, hunter, mystic, outrider, or sorry, outsider, rogue, scholar, seeker, psychic, steadfast, swashbuckler, thrill-seeker, and two-fisted. And it even includes rules for making your own archetype.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which, there is a similar mechanic to... Um, cthulhu seventh e um but it it is uh experience packages and they basically do the same thing but like less so you know and so there is a cold-blooded experience package but it usually is um you know you have a character who you want to level match with other characters and so you give them this Mm -hmm. this uh, experience package to um give them an xp boost essentially Mm -hmm um jody you mentioned that uh you really liked the talents so why don't you walk us through what the
2: talents are feats essentially (laughs) perks pick your name like they just give you modifiers either to stats or roles potentially like uh can't be surprised in combat the cold-blooded one gave you the hardened talent which let you uh not take stress damage from like, extreme violence and, like, dead bodies, stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I was attacking other humans, viewing horrific injuries, or seeing the deceased. Was specifically <laughs> what Hardened was.
2: <laughs> it's nice because it kind of, like, lets you have a firm mechanic for parts of your character's, like, psyche or backstory. Like, instead of having to, like, sort of argue in a role-playing fashion about, like, Oh, well, I was in the war, so I shouldn't take stress damage from mm-hmm. that. It's like... Well, actually, there's just a a game mechanic that says you don't take sanity loss from that. I keep calling it stress damage because I've been playing Darkest Dungeon, and (laughs) they have stress instead of sanity. That's basically the same thing, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. pretty much.
0: Uh, Jaden, what about some unique features that you really wanted to highlight
2: there?
3: (laughs) I mean, the only one that I super messed with was Weird Science, really. Outside of that, I think I just played the game pretty normal, but I thought it was fun. I think that... The wackiness, I mean, in part came largely from me and Ruin kind of back and forth on what I was allowed to do with this stuff, because it's actually a very (laughs) bare bones system. Um, It just simply says there's three tiers to your, I mean, weird science really only works out to gadgets that you can use or interacting with like big, crazy machinery out in the world. And the weird science kind of acts almost like, I think like the traditional Cthulhu magic in the... Normal game, a little bit more interactive because you can actually mess with it and not completely die. But it always, it more or less says that if you're going to mess with these crazy big mystery machines, you're probably going to face some consequence if you even are able to figure out how to make it work. But you are able to generally be a smart person and create your own little weird ideas on these crazy machines. And that's what the gadgets come from out of the weird science. And that's where the Tinker Trunk came from. And the way that they break down the rules of the gadgets, which is As far as I understood, pretty much the only way you could interact with um, the weird science outside of, like, the odd big machine that you're... I can't remember what they're specifically called, the people who run the um, Cthulhu games, but, you know, the GM
0: equivalent.
3: Yeah, the keeper. Unless they give you something big to deal with, the only other way you can interact with it is through the gadgets. And they just simply give you, like, a super good role in a new ability that you're probably not good at. That was all that it did, is, like, it lets you more or less come up with a cool idea and you can flavor it all you want but the only mechanical thing you're going to get is a good roll so my guy had no medicine skill but through a little bit of talking back and forth my tinker trunk gave me a 90% or gave me a 90 in medicine whenever I was rolling to heal people with it and so that's why everyone got fancy new bits so it's just a really light stay out of your way system that lets you get wacky and creative if you want to or you could come up with something simple like I just want to jump better, so I'm going to make spring shoes.
0: <laughs> and the the roleplay experience in that, I think, is, is the valuable part. You're right, it is very mm. bare bones in like how it's structured, but the, the, the RP is so open to interpretation.
3: Yeah, it lets you get another way of making something special to your character and make you get to personalize the game to your specific idea of how you want to play. Because it's not locking you down to be like, well, you can only do these three things. It's like, well, you can pretty much do anything that you can break down into a talent and we'll just give you a better role for it. So it's like, do what you want with your character on another level, which this system seems to just be great for, Mm -hmm. I think.
2: Yeah, to me, the highlight of the whole thing was just the openness of it compared to playing normal Cthulhu. Just the... The yes and, instead of the no, you can't do this because these reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a lot less hard and fast rules for...
0: Um, or hard and set rules for what you could or could not do. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
3: Which sells the pulp vibe, like, a ton. Because that's a key hallmark of pulp. Is like, you know, the bad guy's gonna get punched once and he's going down. But the hero somehow gets punched, like, 80 times, 10 times harder than that guy. And he's still ticking, right? Like, the rules always seem to be in the favor of the main protagonist in pulp on like the most extreme level so i think that sells the whole concept even better on top of just a fun way to play a system
0: well and with that thought i mean you kind of just touched upon two things and that's one the new rules for luck so You can spend luck to make sure your character doesn't die immediately or um, in order to get a third attack in Jody's case and things like that. And um, not only that, but your big villains, which is a whole NPC class, uh, is also able to do a lot of those things including just unexplained how they survive which you guys encountered with dr caspian Mm -hmm. um and i knew that that was going to happen from the start because i was like okay well that's a really cool rule and yeah of course the villain also somehow survives um but then including the the other subclass of npcs which is the mooks which is a way of just basically getting to throw a whole horde of enemies at you because as soon as they hit half health they die They just like, they do that very dramatic, like, one gunshot blows them across the room. Death.
3: Which begs to, like, the question why not just divide their health by half?
0: (laughs) Right? I think it's one of those situations of, like,. maybe you choose not to use it right like mm-hmm, if the general rule is when they hit half health they can just die so you can have a horde but maybe you want to leave a couple left alive because the battle wasn't uh wasn't quite hard enough
3: that's fair makes that a little bit easier
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well let's move on to uh, the skill system so we know that it is a d100 with variable levels of skill um or success which is the the regular the hard the extreme and then of course you also have the the critical which is you have to roll one in order to get a critical um and that's the same as regular seventh e cthulhu um and within that then we have a list of skills and uh characteristic arrays we also have our sanity uh what do you guys have to say about the skill system
3: they throw them points at you man like (laughs) holy crap I was doing my math and I was like running through it and I had like a little number pad beside me keeping track of everything And I'm like I swear I was at least putting out 700 to like 900 points I don't remember exactly where it was but each and then I'd go back and I'd read the rules and I'm like oh man I get another 50 points like it was (laughs) like surprising how many times I went back and I'm like holy crap I missed that time the first time I read that
1: yeah I think so I put in points. like 800 points I think was what Carl got and yeah I remember like the first time I ever played Cthulhu it was like oh man like I'm gonna have to like take away some points from this thing and that's gonna suck but like I think medicine might be more important than listen but like oh, I don't know man everything makes sound uh, whereas this <laughs> point I'm like how many things can I make a hundred uh <laughs> Just throwing
3: that drip at you. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And for reference, a regular Cthulhu game—if you have three hundred points, you're you're sitting pretty. Damn. Yeah.
1: yeah, but I think that also helps with like the genre feeling of pulp. Right, like mm-hmm. pulp isn't about like the super weak, like every man who's going up against the odds. It's about being a hero who like saves the day because you're muscular enough to bend iron. <laughs> uh, and and this kind of gives you that feel. Even like Carl, the fifteen year old boy who slowly went insane as his head swelled, uh, felt <laughs> like he was powerful and like the goons were just goons. Whereas you know you get like a one scary weak enemy in Cthulhu and someone's going down. They're dead. Um. It's almost <laughs>
0: like if you're not a hero, you're just a mook. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a metaphor for life. <laughs> That's my new t-shirt design for the show. Oh, we really should start making these t-shirt designs we always keep talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jody, I, I think I've heard you say before that you really like characters with like a list of skills. What did you think about the ones you were given in this?
2: Um... Uh, well, I kind of tailor-picked him, honestly, to have a character that could, like, go anywhere, traverse the environment, and, like, so I had high climb, high jump, high swim, and I, like, high in all of the fighting skills and high in first aid. <laughs> kind of like just the, the lone wolf action hero character, honestly. It was pretty good.
0: And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like, even though you're given so many that you can choose from, um, I really like that you still chose to RP and not uh, mid max the game or anything like that, right? Well,
2: I kind of did, honestly. <laughs> like, also had like high in the spot list. Like, like these guys are saying, we got like eight, nine hundred points. It was like, well, I'm just gonna have like seventy plus in so many skills, and it's gonna be beautiful. <laughs>
1: Did anybody else? That almost
3: encourages you to min max.
2: Yeah.
1: Did anybody else put a bunch of points into a skill that they never ended up using? Because let me tell you, Carl was one hell of an ace photographer. Uh, <laughs> he worked for the school newspaper I was like this is gonna be huge he's gonna be able to use like a camera and like use it as like binoculars we so all see not nah, never amounted to literally anything yeah I see put if-
2: a bunch of like navigate and track and stuff like that I was like <laughs> man if there's like a chase scene or if we're like go through the jungle or something it's gonna be great
1: yeah, library use put a lot into the library use and then we were promptly <laughs> on an
0: island uh- <laughs> well I tell you what Kate if Dr. Stephenson had failed to realize that that was a camera on those seashells carl would have been the next one up yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He, been yeah. and, and i think there is something to be said about that of the idea that like the type of game that you could play with this is so vast that it makes sense that you're gonna have skills that you will not use in a certain type of scenario
2: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. from like a slightly devil's advocate standpoint though i i like sitting there staring at the sheet and trying to figure out where to put my limited resources of points, I think that it makes, like, way more... Like, I, I don't know, actually. I want to say more unique, but our characters were, like, at least your guys' two characters. Mine was kind of generic soldier boy, but your guys' characters were insanely unique. So I guess I can't even say that less points could make more unique characters.
3: Yeah, and I don't know. I don't feel like we had, like, too many points that we could be, like crazy overpowered i still see like a ton of 20s five tens, 10s ones on yeah. my sheet my guy's garbage at a lot of stuff but the stuff i wanted to be good at i am great at and like i think that's kind of something we've been saying the whole time about the system right is it allows you to play the character you want to play right off the hop and that's really fun So you're not limited by having a few points and you're like, oh man, like I really want to be able to fire a gun, but I also need like these other two things for my character to be my character. So actually, even though my guy has 30 years with a gun, he only has a 25 in shooting.
0: Yeah. And I will say, and I'll leave most of my comments on this angle for the actual uh, world building conversation that we're going to have. But Jody, I thought your character is fantastic just the way he was. Don't be so hard on yourself. (laughs) But with that, uh, I'm out of coffee and I could use a refill. So we'll be right back.
3: Potions and Potpourri, a Dungeons & Dragons variety show podcast where two gal pals, Keisha and Kayla, talk about a variety of topics, including discussions. Wizards of the Coast has tried recently to change the mechanics, but I think the biggest thing they did was release Tasha's Call of Everything. Right. That like really changed the way that people can make their characters. Live plays. We wow. caught the tracker trying to kill Claude. He already kill killed some team. of the household. Guards, uh, we did
2: everything we could to oh, try no and way. save him, but uh, the tracker unfortunately got got to him before we could, but we took care of the tracker. So, oh, it's me. Oh, he's gone. He's gone by ah, Joseph. <laughs> Over interviews.
4: Yeah, I'm not gonna, for- mm. if you're not having fun with your character after all, I'm not gonna make you play your character, yeah. But you have to figure out why is your current character leaving and why is this new character joining.
3: Potions and potpourri, find Wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey, tabletop
4: players! It's Ruin here. Hi, I'm Kate from the beginning and now the middle, and hopefully still at the
0: end. We hope you're enjoying the episode, and we're just taking a quick coffee refill. And while we're doing that, we're going to update you on some of our uh, social media and different things that we have going on in The Natural 20, which, if you don't know, is where we play all of our fictional games. It's also fictional, but we pretend it's real, so it's as real as we want it to be. When the
4: podcast gets real big, we're going to make a real cafe called The Natural 20. Rude is just finding out about this now, but this is a thing that we want to do. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, no, we have social media all over the place. We're on pretty much everything. Facebook for all the older folks, Instagram and Twitter for the middle-aged people and other things. Do we have other things? Are we on TikTok? What is a TikTok?
0: You're starting to show your age. Anyways, make sure you follow us on those places where you can get all of our updates, usually weekly, sometimes daily. It kind of depends on how we're feeling, especially Instagram. That's where we're the most active, so make sure you hit a follow there. Also, make sure that you uh, give us a review on Apple uh, Podcasts because that's where uh, we get a lot of the listens from and people send good feelings our way.
4: As well, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure that you actually follow us. That way you don't have to go and find the episode every time and it looks like there's a whole bunch of people following us. And that really helps
0: us with our egos. Mm -hmm. Also, we have a Patreon launching so that we can deliver even more content to you. Kate, what's on our Patreon? Oh man, we
4: have been trying to push Ruin to make a Patreon forever and we finally broke him guys. So, we have a Patreon and if you are willing to part with some of your hard-earned coffee money, uh, you can get some really awesome exclusive content. Uh, We have everything from audio shoutouts to access to the Natural 20 Cafe Discord server, where you and all the other patrons can get together, talk to us hosts, share ideas about all things tabletop and coffee related. We also have at least three exclusive side podcasts that you can check out exploring everything from uh, how to be a-, a DM to solo adventures run by Ruin to interviews with industry professionals um, as well as we are putting up unedited or at least sl- only slightly edited versions of our podcast episodes so that you can listen to them there uh, as well as anything else that we come up with in the next little while. If you want to help us continue making this awesome content for you guys Uh, we would really really appreciate if you would consider checking out the Patreon and maybe chipping us a couple of bucks a loony or a toonie if you're
0: Canadian as well yeah, exactly. The starting tier is just a uh, $3. That's just slightly more than a regular coffee from Tim Hortons. Uh, and you could get as fancy as a $100 donation, which would go towards you buying us a tabletop system that we will review on the show. For sure.
4: We do want to be clear, though, that absolutely nothing is changing with all of our free content. If you are just comfortable listening to what we already have, it's not going anywhere. You don't need to go to Patreon. However, we would really appreciate it, and we're going to be making even more extra bonus stuff for you guys.
0: Regardless, make sure you hit us up on all of our social media because that's where you'll find any sort of contests or giveaways that we will be doing for the show like we've done in the past. But with that... I think the coffee's done, so we should get back to it. All right, and we're back and highly caffeinated. So let's talk about encounters and combat. Uh, You guys were thrown hordes of enemies in this. So what do you think of combat? Too Especially easy. in comparison to Cthulhu.
2: <laughs> too easy. Everything died in one hit. And, like barely hurt us. So and we got extra armor plating every time we got hurt because of the tinker trunk. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I'm not saying that wasn't awesome, but it was a cakewalk. It felt different.
1: In that, like, we finished the whole campaign, and I, like, went upstairs and, like, talked to my wife, and she was like, oh, so, like, how was Cthulhu? I was like, it was cool. We didn't run into any, like, mythos monsters. And then I was like, we fought fishmen for four episodes. And I never even once was like, oh, yeah, these are, like, a Cthulhu mythos monster um so just like even the feel of combat was different because it never felt like we were fighting some like strange otherworldly force that was bigger than ourselves and revealed some dark nature of the way the world works um which is something that i often to get be from fair
0: California. dr caspian and um gilbert his brother were deep one hybrids but i agree with you in the sense that like that didn't make it feel yeah like
1: and like they were deep one hybrid but they didn't feel like deep ones you know like you meet a deep one in like regular cthulhu and you're like oh crap um not so much in this one it's like ah this guy nah um it's just yeah it just it felt different and it's it's kind of an interesting like example of how like the way that you set up an encounter is just as if not more impactful than whatever stats you put behind it. Like, I can drop a dragon on you, and the way I describe it and the way I play it is either going to be absolutely terrifying or kind of goofy. If it's Dudley the dragon coming down on you, it doesn't matter what stat block I put on him. So, Isn't that a
2: blast from the past? And I
1: think a uniquely Canadian blast from the past. American yeah. listeners, let us know if you know who Dudley the dragon is. <laughs> yeah and stop no we're copyright claimed Uh... (laughs) dang it
2: (laughs) see I'm actually pretty sure that because that is like a rendition it's I think we're fine yeah (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) no they're taking that cover down that's the one they gotta get rid of
2: the really
0: crappy humming that's the one (laughs) just because it was so bad
3: I hope there's like a metal cover of it I bet you there is oh I'm sure there is
0: so, Jaden, uh, with Dr. Stephenson and, and the weird scientist trunk. did you find that it added anything or took anything away from combat?
3: Um, I don't know. I don't feel like too drastically. We didn't. I Maybe, just maybe Jody got lucky and didn't get hit too much. I was down <laughs> at half health. I was scared near the end that I was going to get a lot closer. And I feel like Carl was pretty low near the end. <laughs> Carl. That's why we were patching him up so hard when in the last session there. <laughs> Carl
1: was not feeling helps.
2: good. Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess it helps like having like 85 in both fighting skills and dual wielding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but every time I tried to roll damage, you hit, got one point of damage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the person with the most health by far.
0: Yeah, it was. I was actually getting frustrated with my dice because I was like, "No, we got to hit him harder than that." <laughs> Poor Carl over there. Carl
2: just hit for 13, and-, <laughs> and I think the Tinker Trunk didn't really change combat, but I bet you got like a little smile on your face every time we got. Hit because you're like oh absolutely
3: (laughs) because I can only give people medicine again after they've been hurt so I was just waiting for you guys to get hit again absolutely it made that specific tool made combat more interesting like for an after fact absolutely and I think that it was nice getting like four health but I don't think it was like a staggering (laughs) amount they still they increase the healing a little bit in pulp Mm -hmm. but it's not huge so even though you have a lot more health than you would in a normal Cthulhu character it does feel like we had pretty easy access to getting it back. Mm-hmm. And so that was nice. And it did make combat obviously easier. I would agree with Jody that it was a, probably one of the easier combats we've ever played in a game where we had actual like hard line combat to get into. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I felt more like an action scene instead of a drawn mm-hmm. out fight, you know? Yep. Like that's one thing that I definitely noticed when we were playing Starfinder is like the, the level one combat slog of like, and i missed yeah but i hit for two damage and they have 23 health oh, that was gonna take a while in right here it's like more like a quick scene from a movie or like one panel of a comic book where it's like bam and they're down yeah mm-hmm. and i will throw out though i think my comfort level of cthulhu
0: allowed me to do a better job of of the rp of combat um but i also think that in comparison to regular cthulhu this has a much um more i guess versatile set of skills for combat because it is based and grounded in the regular like you have to get a regular success to beat their regular success if they're attacking but if they dodge then they win so there's that but on top of it you guys were able to do extra things like dual wielding with uh less penalties um a just automatic hit for buying your next hit if you were using luck that's a crazy mechanic cuz it's like hey spend 10 luck and you just get you just get an attack just do it yeah. so jody was do- doling out three hits in one round but did he have a flamethrower nose no <laughs> <laughs> if that only he had
1: did he commit war yeah. crimes on a people with his nose mm-hmm. uh- <laughs>
2: I did land dynamite into the breast pocket it's of your true. Giant fish you did stand. do that. Oh, that's
0: a good point.
2: <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> that's
0: really good. Um, yeah, I think in terms of combat it is just as like it still suffers from like the the different phases that i think regular cthulhu is which is unless you're really versed in them or have a keeper that knows how the phases work it can get awkward i've always said that but if you know what you're doing it does feel natural and the additions that they put in here of terms of like luck and dual wielding all that it it doesn't slow things down it actually speed things up quite a bit um and so I think if you're somebody who is unimpressed with uh, Cthulhu and how difficult it can be to kill things, this might be your solution here. Mm-hmm.
1: One thing that I did like find while replaying, and this is not like purely a critique of like, Pulp, but something that I've realized in myself as a tabletop role player, is that I like systems that use big numbers. It is far more rewarding <laughs> to hit something for like 35 than be like, yeah, I hit that guy for two. And just be like, man, that was a really solid roll. Like, I could only get four and I hit a two? That's nuts. Uh, It's just, there's something psychological about that. And, like, again, like the getting healed for four points. And the fact that that's a lot more than you normally get in a regular Canuder game (laughs) might be a part of the reason why I, I enjoy some other systems a little bit
0: more you you just described like the the looter shooter philosophy or the the role-playing game philosophy if you can deal over a thousand damage you just feel really jacked yeah this is why i had to stop playing wow because
1: like same kind of thing it's the same rush it's just gambling with cartoon characters (laughs) like
0: (laughs) pray to r and jesus all right well with that let's talk about world building um I, I felt like this was something kind of unique that I haven't played before, but maybe you guys have some different experiences. What do we think about the overall potential for world building?
1: I, I really enjoyed it. As someone who's like a big comic book fan, it, this was just straight out of like golden age comics and it was a lot of fun and I think that's really cool. I don't know how much of, like, an original story you could tell while still sticking, like, true to the as-written, like, pulp uh, archetypes and, like, the that kind of s- side of things. Um, without just being like, yeah, okay, I'm going to tell this story of, like, we crash down an island or, you know, whatever. Uh, We're going to find the lost treasure of insert place here. Um, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but I think if you are a fan of that style of storytelling, this is going to be a lot of fun, and it gives you those tools so that you don't have to homebrew them yourself.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a, potentially a ton of potential, right? Potentially a ton of potential to potentialize, possibly.
4: Yeah, I I, I see the potential there.
3: Yeah, I do too. Um, I do agree with Cade that I do think that this is a pretty long-standing genre that's had a lot done in it, so you probably aren't going to be coming up with the most original stuff. But it also means that you can steal a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a really loose genre, in my opinion. There are a lot of things that get to fall into pulp. It is hard to actually nail down what a definition of pulp is, and it seems like every time I tried to find one, everyone's got a different one, or they're all, like, attesting to a thing that's, like, the absolute history of pulp and it's like that doesn't actually tell you what a genre is because it used to be printed on pulp paper yeah. like that doesn't tell me anything about what this genre actually is supposed to be um but when we get to my watch list you guys will hear some very interesting <laughs> movies that probably wouldn't even always be thought of as being pulp but arguably could be thrown into the pulp world just because of a lot of loopholes <laughs> so like i think you could do a ton with yeah. it absolutely And I think it would be fun. I don't know how long I would want to play these things. I think this is like almost like, I don't know how much I would even like to like play like a long format Cthulhu either. I just haven't done either of them. So I can't Mm -hmm. speak too much to it. But if you're really hard, hard up for more Cthulhu, this would be a great way to give you a little mix in and have like a little takeoff. And you could even keep it within your world and just be like, yeah, this is over on another island that we're not really going to talk about when we get back to our main game kind of thing. I think that would be a better use for it world building wise. I don't know how structured or like consistent you could make a pulp world without having a ton of inconsistencies once you're on like session 50.
0: You know and I've run I, I really enjoy it like and I'm going to say genre even though I agree with you Jaden that's a very uh, open and broad genre but I really enjoy it. You know Indiana Jones and, and Tarzan and, and things like that despite their problems historically mm-hmm. Um there there's just something about them that is so much fun and you really feel like you are the hero of a story even though you're a part of a party um i i have run games like this but without the pulp supplement i've done it just with cthulhu and i just and and they were great like we had i had this one that was in cairo and there was like snake monsters and all i can think now is What if I ran that again, but with pulp rules, like how much cooler would it feel? And I actually even thought about instead of the scenario that we played, I thought about running that scenario again, um, because none of you have played it. And then I kind of just went, well, I know what that looks like. And so I want to run something that I don't know what it looks like yet. And so that's why I chose to buy this one, which is the Isle of Madness. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's go into uh, some accessibility here. Uh, So this is where we really want to highlight how easy is it to get into this particular game. This is a bit of a different conversation for us, though, because with this one, we have to admit uh, that you have to have the 7e rule book for it which i mean obviously is an extra cost um but not only that now you're stacking rules so how accessible do we think this is uh is it for beginners is it for veterans what do you guys think
1: I think it's more accessible for beginners than base Cthulhu is because it seems like the consequences are a little lower right like your stakes are a little lower i guess it's probably a better way to do it. Like, the sheer amount of abuse that Carl went through without dying, there's no way you could do that in a regular Cthulhu game. And one of my critiques from when we first played Cthulhu, uh, over a year ago now, um, was that as a new player, if I get stomped in my very first combat and I'm, like, dead, that's gonna dissuade me from continuing on with this game. Whereas in this, like, I... Um, I had a flamethrower put into my head because of how badly I got beat up. Uh, And I was still able to keep playing and finish out the session with everyone and go out on Carl's terms, damn it. Um, So I think as far as that, I think that makes it a little more accessible because you don't need to be constantly worried about making the optimal choice for fear of death. Right? Like, again, the, the stakes are a little bit lower, so it kind of encourages experimenting and learning the game on your feet.
3: Yeah, it's definitely Cthulhu with training wheels and mm. that kind of aspect of that. You're not nearly as in much danger. And so it could be a great way to teach some people, I guess, how to, you know, be a little open to trying stuff, mm. but then, you know, eventually totally beat them down once you put them into normal Cthulhu. Yeah.
2: What I think is interesting is that it's like, we're describing it as like Cthulhu, but easier, even though... It is like I feel it is for people that have already played Cthulhu and like are pretty familiar with the the rules so you can see the difference and it's like how would you get to Pulp Cthulhu without first being introduced to normal Cthulhu unless you went out of your way specifically to play this setting. So like I do agree that for a player walking into it if it was their first time it's probably more accessible than just doing normal Cthulhu but I think to see the the difference in fun you almost should play the first one. Or not difference in fun, but the difference in like tone and like experience of the playing.
1: Yeah. I could see this being used as like a alright guys, we're gonna do like a mini uh, campaign. We're just gonna do like, you know, like three sessions, four sessions, just to kinda for our new players, teach them, you know, okay, D one hundreds, you know, this is how you do your spell checks and everything, and then transition into core Cthulhu. Um but I agree, Like as a DM, you're going to want to have played the base game
0: <laughs> before yeah. you play this one. And, and, and I think, um, for, for me, I agree with the idea that like it's it probably does make gameplay easier for a new player. Um, but that comes with, I think, what you guys are both saying, which is that so long as your keeper knows what they're doing. And so having a keeper who knows the rules from core now allows you to add the new ones on and and, and feel fairly natural. I don't think that there's any reason for the player to have invested themselves in regular Cthulhu um, because you can basically explain rules as you're going as the keeper. But I think the keeper definitely does need to have that experience or at least bought them both at the same time and somehow uh, learned all of it without playing one before the other.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably a little bit more on Jody's side of it where I would say like, maybe even a little bit of a different take on his side that I think that this system is a pretty heavy system in the number side of it. And I think some people might be scared of it and character creation, I would argue is probably harder allocating 800 points and balancing all the different ways you get to add those points versus like the 300 of a normal Cthulhu or even less. And so I think some parts of this would be, probably not really be the easiest to take new characters through or new players like if people haven't ever played tabletop I think that this wouldn't be exactly where I would start them is with a pulp Cthulhu session Mm -hmm. if I was starting with Cthulhu I think I'd probably just settle with Cthulhu because then I don't want to have to be like okay now I'm going to pull away these rules when we go but I do think it's a great idea if you're playing with people who have either played just even a little bit of Cthulhu or have taken the time to actually read through some of the rules because. I guess they could say like, oh, I want to go, you know, library root use is pretty general, but maybe some people just don't have the same concept on some of each of the individual um, hero skills, and you can't even find any rules other than the twists on the rules for hero skills in the pulp rules. You have to go back to the original book to read on skills and other things, right? So now you're bouncing between two books. I think it might be a little much for a totally brand new person, but if this was like, had the rules completely baked in of normal Cthulhu in it, I think the system could be a really great starting point for people.
0: So and that's what I was going to push you on here, Jaden, is do you think that you would ever recommend somebody start with regular Cthulhu as their first tabletop?
3: I, I think it's just how much that person's committed to, like, actually putting in a little bit of effort. Like, it would require a little more in some ways, and I think in other ways it makes a lot of things easier. So just like any other system other than maybe like a one page or a real rules light system but i i don't know i think outside of that i think that there's systems that people could start with i don't think they're really any more arguably difficult than like a dnd or a pathfinder or any of the other major players that you have out there right other than like obviously gameplay difficulty maybe but outside of like learning how to play i don't think that they're really much more difficult per se
0: I will say that, uh, I believe as the, the time of the release for this episode, uh, we will also be releasing a Valentine's, uh, dual episode special, uh, which I've already recorded and just needs to to edit with my wife who had never played a tabletop game. And she found Cthulhu incredibly easy to pick up. Uh, she does have an acting background. Um, but, uh, she, uh, has never really understood how that translates to tabletop games, but she found herself acting very naturally in, in that episode. So I, I look forward to that, but also um, I, I kind of agree with you that it depends on who you are. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I also think All from right. a like a purely content side of things that pulp is probably more accessible for some people um, because regular Cthulhu, just like the nature of the Cthulhu mythos, you're going to have more of that, hard horror i guess right like that cerebral horror potentially some body horror um like i'm thinking like specifically my wife you know played some tabletop games playing dnd with me right now i'd probably have an easier time getting her into pulp than into regular cthulhu just because of her tastes and i think that pulp cthulhu is probably a little bit more pal- palatable um for for people at large um whereas call of cthulhu like the base version is probably going to be a little more niche for just people's interests
0: I, I yeah. think you're right, it is a little bit more versatile but again, that goes back to the genre itself being so versatile yeah. there, there are no hard uh, boundaries for what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For sure. Alright, well the final question that we're here to answer who is this game for? Who would you recommend spends $55 for a hardcover or 28 for a PDF?
3: On top of the original, however much the base game is
0: yeah uh, I can get that number if you want if they think that that's important.
3: I don't think the hard numbers are. I'm sure it's probably a similar price or more expensive. so we've got enough of a ballpark there. Yeah.
0: I would s- so they can look back to our original Cthulhu episode to find the price on that.
3: Yeah, you'll be over a hundred dollars at least. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I would say that this is
1: for people who have played Cthulhu and are looking for something different. Um, or are looking for something that's finally going to push their friends over the edge to agreeing to play Cthulhu with you. Um, <laughs> or people that like the idea of like the Cthulhu system and the sanity and everything but aren't super jazzed about the horror side of it.
2: I kind of honestly feel it would be a shame to play this before playing normal Cthulhu. Like I did enjoy the system and it was fun and the difference was cool to see. I'll say that I think I like regular Cthulhu better. Maybe I'm part of that niche that really enjoys the unforgiving, like hardcore kind of abuse aspect of it. And the, like, I don't know, It, it to me it feels so good to overcome that hard situation compared to just like, like walking through it and having fun. But when you have the experience of how hard it was and then you come in and are allowed to have fun in the same setting, I think that that like, being able to feel the difference kind of adds to the fun in a way. That's why I think that, like, I'll stand by my point that I think it's mainly for people who have played, like, at least a decent amount of Cthulhu and want to do the same kind of adventures but with a lot more action and a lot less, like, tiptoeing around every corner.
3: Also, financially, it's smarter to do that anyways because you can buy the base game, and if you really don't like that system... You're not getting a brand new system here. You're still using, I think, mostly the same skills, if not the exact same skill list. Similar rules, there's stuff added on top of, but they don't really say that they're subtracting anything. It's more just, here's more health, here's more points, here's a better healing for your medicine, etc., etc. Here's maybe new rules that weren't in the original game, but they're more or less making you better or tougher or more interesting, something along those lines. So if you just really were like, man, Cthulhu is not for me, I don't think Pulp Cthulhu is going to be for you either, other than if it's a specific genre issue. And then absolutely, if it was just like, I don't like Cthulhu or that kind of horror, then Pulp would be the absolute Mm -hmm. way to take that system to be your... Like, it would make the system great for you. It would be the best thing in the world.
0: I'm going to go with the idea that let's say the cost is is no matter to you, which, congratulations, you've won the game (laughs) of life. Um, I think... I could see the person with cost being no matter, they might invest in this if they're looking for um, more action based, a uh, little bit more like cool role play mechanics and like quick paced combat, things like that. I think this is the game. I would go say get the supplement and the core right away. But I would say, just like Jody, if you're somebody like him who you want the gritty, tough gameplay where you're tiptoeing around corners to make sure that you don't see something awful or take a claw to the face. You want regular Cthulhu. And you know what? You can do almost as much with each one of them, just a the varying degrees of wackiness. Um, you know, and, and even if you buy this one, you can dial the pulpometer down or up to try to make the gameplay a little bit different. So there's no reason, like, if you did buy this, why you couldn't have a, a hard game with just a slight advantage, a slight edge to it. Um, but definitely, For me, this game is for people who already know what Cthulhu is and either said, yes, but what if, or said, yes, but uh, maybe mix things up a little bit, get a little spicy over here. My last question for you guys before we wrap here is whether for you specifically, if you're a core Cthulhu buyer or a pulp. Again, let's pretend that that cost is no barrier to entry. Which would you prefer to play again? So we'll go in order of my screen here. So, Cade, Core, or Pulp?
1: Oh, I think I'd probably say Core because of content. Pulp because of gameplay. All right, Jaden.
3: Um. Just quick to cost, this is still cheaper than buying the three base ga- books for D&D <laughs> if you're buying them at a store for 60 bucks each. So this isn't really that crazy yeah. expensive, right? You could get a whole system plus a sweet bolt-on that makes your system a whole new system for a better price. So I don't want to say that the cost even is actually exorbitant or ridiculous. Um, I will say I w- that if
0: you buy the investigator book, so the third mm. book for the Cthulhu series, it is about the same cost.
3: But still a great system and does something totally different than those. So I think it's still as valuable as d d right? If you're comparing this to that, totally worth it. Yeah, but absolutely. just to, to your question, I'm totally pulp. It's way up my alley for <laughs> running. I'm sure everyone's heard me run a few games hopefully by now. I am a spaghetti humor kind of guy when I play games and I don't like to take things too seriously. So pulp Absolutely no questions i've
0: always said jane's a spaghetti man so <laughs> <laughs> whenever somebody says spaghetti western all i think is quick drawing but like your arms are flailing so you're not like <laughs> not firing in the right direction she shoots marinara sauce that uh, would be
3: a great short that'd film. be really funny you call it spaghetti western yeah. that would be amazing
0: <laughs> yeah that's also our idea now we are copywritten yep. it's on the internet it's
2: recorded <laughs> yep. jody core pulp Uh, I have to say core Uh, if I had to play one like forever it would be core I just I really like the tension the like the oh geez you get every time you say like well roll sanity and it's like oh man like you tense up and you don't know what's gonna happen every time you like get hit it could be the end of the session and like maybe I'm crazy but I just really like that and I actually just thought about one other question that I've
0: been dying to, to ask you guys, but I will answer the question myself. Uh, I think I'm still a core. It's, it's a very fine line for me. Uh, and I, I did have an internal conflict about it, but <laughs> I think at the end of the day, uh, I, I like the core just for the genre itself. I'm a little bit more horror than, than pulp, but, uh, right. my- like it's a
2: really fine line for me too. I, Find it really difficult to say which one was like more fun in big air quotes because they both were quite fun, but for very different reasons. One felt very immersive and intense, and the other felt just kind of like action packed and like we could do whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. I guess
0: my last question here, and sorry to mislead you earlier, but uh, our last system that we ran was Starfinder. A full system that we said felt like an add-on. This one is an add-on. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, which one uh, would you would you be more lenient to in your reviews here? Like, which one do you think deserves more grace as a different system? Pulp.
3: I wish Pulp got Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish Pulp got the Starfinder treatment and was its own system, and Starfinder was just an add-on for... Pathfinder. <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: I agree. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, Pulp, Pulp did it better. Mm-hmm. Perfect. There you go, folks. That is our review
0: of the supplement, Pulp Cthulhu, for Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition, which is equivalent or being able to use with any 7th Edition scenario or campaign by Chaosium. But with that, I'm out of coffee, and that means it's time to go.